Well, if you're new to Vintage or if you hadn't been here in the last few weeks, we've uh, we've begun a, a study of the book of First Corinthians. And so we're going to continue in that in that book this morning. But before we get started, there, there are a few things that I kind of want to unpack some key terms and kind of understanding to be able to understand what we're looking at in First Corinthians as we kind of look at the second chapter this morning. So if I had to tell 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 somebody or invite somebody who um who is looking to make a financial investment into some real estate. Let's say that, that Victor here, the guy on the front row, looks like he could be a member of the Taliban. He's got billions of dollars in the bank. If you need a loan or if you're in debt, just come see Victor. He's got more money, knows what to do with, right? ISIS, ISIS yes. ISIS, thank you. Um, anyway, Victor is Randall's, Randall's brother, so I love to pick on him, but... Victor is looking to buy some real estate and he gets a call from his realtor and says, hey, I've got an investment property for you. All the other homes in this neighborhood are selling for one hundred dollars a square foot. But this house is on the market for seventy dollars a square foot. It's a steal. You ought to snatch it up and try to flip it and make some money off the house. Right. What does Victor do? Well, sure. Absolutely. Let's let's buy the house. Sight unseen. Good idea. No, it, it, because it's a better idea to do due diligence and to go see the house, to go get an inspector to look at the house and to recognize what you could be getting into. Right. Otherwise, you could find out a bunch of bad things like the reality that the roof is leaking, that the there's mold behind the sheetrock and in the basement that there's been termites in the house and there's no termite bond. I mean, what sounds like a good investment initially to somebody who's looking to invest some money may not be so if they're not diligent in checking into this thing, right? So it is wise, and that's the key word I want you to hear from this, it is wise to follow up and to do the due diligence before you just go investing your money and your resources into something that you don't know about, right? Imagine if I told Victor's six-year-old, how old is your son now, Vic? Seven, seven-year-old son, Vic. Vic, um, your dad's looking to buy a house, and it has a pool. It has a basketball goal. There's a trampoline. There's a swing set. There's a huge playroom upstairs, and there's a treehouse out back. Now, if little Vic could make this decision, what do you think Vic would say? Oh, yeah, I'm all in. Right. What did he tell you anything about the house except there's a big playroom? Right. So it would be unwise of Vic to buy this house. But that's we don't expect a six year old to have all the wisdom and knowledge that his dad should be able to have. Right. So one of the things, one of the terms we need to understand as we're reading through this passage that we're going to look at this morning is this term wisdom. Now, if you understand the scenario that I've just been talking about a house, then you understand uh, what we're going to call this morning the lowercase w wisdom, which is wisdom according to man, according to what we know and according to what we perceive. It's what would be wise to do. Right. But there's a flaw with man's wisdom. You know, somebody in 2003 could have said, you know what? It is wise to sink all my money and investments in 401k into real estate and go buy a bunch of residential properties right now. In 2003, that may have sounded like a really wise plan because stuff was turning over like hotcakes. 
And people were making money hand over fist in the real estate market. But we all know what happened. By 2006, every, six, everything just crumbled. And people lost billions, you know, in this country in the real estate market. So it may have appeared to be wise at the time, but in hindsight, it wasn't a wise choice. And that's the way man's wisdom tends to be. What we're going to talk about right now is the biblical perspective of wisdom. And so we're going to call this the capital W wisdom. And what wisdom means in the Bible is that wisdom from the Old Testament is described as the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. This is wisdom. According to Job 28, 28, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And to gain understand, you know, and flee to gain understanding is to flee evil. Right. So if we're, what the fear of the Lord means, then is in view of the creator, God, the God, the almighty God above all and everything in view of who he is, I stand before him in fear and trembling and awe. Of how amazing and how brilliant the creator of everything is. And from the biblical context, this is wisdom. Right? So let me, uh, let me give you a little bit of explanation. So the fear of the Lord, where, whereby we live in this awe of God. The fear of the Lord would lead men and women to the ability to make right judgments and decisions. A person... Um, who was not ignorant of God and his purposes. And in contrast to this, in the Old Testament, you, you heard of fools. And a fool was a person who was against God or was spiritually blind, therefore, and ignorant to, the, to God's purposes in their life. You follow me? So, a little test. If God says something is good, is it good? If God says something is bad, is it bad? Okay, if I saw something and I saw and thought that it was good before I knew God said it was bad. Is it better for me to change my mind or should I expect God to change his mind? Right. It's better for me to change my mind because God said it's bad. I should change my mind and be in agreement with God. Right. If you get that, then you get the general concept of the Old Testament term fear. I mean, the fear of the Lord, but wisdom. Whatever God says is the truth. So now we have a lens to better understand Isaiah 55. So Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9. If we'll put that up. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right? We now have a lens to understand What is being said through Isaiah, that God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are better. So we need to, if we're going to be capital W wise in this life, we need to always have before us fixed in front of us what God would say, what his purpose, what his intention in a thing would be. Then we are walking in wisdom, not just man's wisdom, lowercase w. That's that's valuable. But according to the Old Testament, there is nothing more valuable than this capital W wisdom. Scripture says that we should seek out as though we're seeking the greatest treasure on the earth. Biblical wisdom. We should seek out to know it is more priceless than 
than rubies and jewels, diamonds, gold or silver. We should give all that we have to seek out the wisdom that comes from God. Knowing what God's purpose and what God's plan and God's perspective on a thing is. But how often do we find ourselves just being confident and feeling complete when we feel confident about our lowercase w, right? So we have to understand this capital W wisdom if we're going to look at what is being said in this passage and in the chapters we're going to study in the coming weeks. So let me begin by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can follow along with me if you have your Bibles. I'm going to begin reading in the fourth verse. We heard from Steve a little bit last week as he as he covered this piece, but I'm going to pick up there. Verse four, Paul is saying, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Now, what form of wise is Paul using there? The lowercase w or the uppercase w? Lower. We're not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. And this this case, he's using the term in a capital W version. He's saying when the mature get together, we do speak of the fear of the Lord and speak in reference of and in awe of God and consider all things in reference to God's purposes and God's plans. Right. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can, has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. This wisdom, the very things that wisdom, where, where it comes from, is the spirit of God. It is the spirit that reveals it to us. I have some I have some numbers here. We're going to play a little quick game. I'm going to put some numbers up and we're going to see who can figure out what these numbers mean and what they represent. B2 is where we start. And then we go 12, 11, 2, 8, 25, 14, 11, 18, 16, 23, 12, 23, 21, 3, 25. You understand those? All right. Graham, do, do you understand what the number 25 means? I believe so. Okay. The, and, and Graham believes he understands what the number 25 means because somebody taught Graham how to count a long time ago, right? And hopefully everybody in here can count. So if you can count, you can look at this and you can understand what each of these things mean, right? You can make an argument. Scott, I understand 25. You can't convince me that I don't understand 25 because I can count to 25. There may be 25 candles lit up here. I don't know how many there are. Don't count. When you get bored, you can. OK, don't count. But you understand the concept of 25. So I may not be able to convince you that you don't understand what 25 is. But I've got a video to help you. So let's watch this video and see if you understand. Thanks. Be it known to all and sundry that Ralph Parker is hereby appointed a member of the Little Orphan Annie Secret Circle and is entitled to all the honors and benefits occurring there, too. Signed, Little Orphan Annie. Countersign, 
Pierre Andre in ink. Honors and benefits already at the age of nine. Come on, let's get on with it. I don't need all that jazz about smugglers and pirates. Listen tomorrow night for the concluding adventure of the Black Pirate Ship. Now it's time for Annie's secret message for you members of the Secret Circle. Remember, kids, only members of Annie's Secret Circle can decode Annie's secret message. Remember, Annie is depending on you. Set your pins to B2. Here is the message. 12, 11. I am in my first secret meeting. 14, 11, 18, 16. Pierre was in great voice tonight. I could tell that tonight's message was really important. 3, 25. That's a message from Annie herself. Remember, don't tell anyone. 90 seconds later, I'm in the only room in the house where a boy of nine could sit in privacy and decode. <laughs> Aha, B. <laughs> I went to the next. E. The first word is B. S. It was coming easier now. U. <laughs> What's going on, Rosie? crummy commercial. I mean, imagine the disappointment. Well, I want to show you the video because I want you to understand kind of this, this concept. When Paul is writing this next passage we're going to dive into, he's writing it from the context of understanding the gospel and who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ said. So we're going to look at a couple passages in John chapter 14 and come back to, to Ralphie here. John 14, I'm going to begin reading in verse, verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Skipping down to verse 25. Uh, Jesus continues on. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. And if you skip over from John 14 to John 16, two chapters later, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. 
That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. You see, one of the roles that the spirit has in our lives is a role as a counselor. And to stick with a video piece, the Holy Spirit functions as a cipher in order to take the thing that we think we know. We think we understood that 25 meant 25 units of a thing, but 25 did not mean that at all in this line of stuff. 25 represented the letter V. But you had to have the cipher to recognize that there's a code to break here. And when you have the cipher, then you can connect 25 with the letter V and decrypt the message that was so important. Right? Because you all drink your Ovaltine every day. It's the same way with the spirit as he interacts in our life is that he becomes a counselor and a guide to reveal to us the common things of life that are just common and to move them to the reality of discovering the purposes of the kingdom that are ever before us. The spirit of God wants to come alongside and speak to us and reveal and release understanding of God's purposes, wisdom. God's purposes and God's plan in any and every situation of our lives that we can join him and be a people that walk in fear in all that he is everything. And I'm here to serve and it is an honor to serve with him in the things that he has for me. There are divine appointments in every one of our lives that God has in store for us. So as we look at this passage, follow along with me, I'm going to pick back up. Reading in verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit? This would be a a lowercase s. This is the same. This is the spirit that you possess, believing you understand whatever you understand. Uh, The man's spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the capital S spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The man without the spirit of God cannot understand spiritual things. It's like reading a list of numbers and being fully convinced that you understand what those numbers mean, but missing the message altogether because there's no capacity in which to decipher what they actually represent. Friends, we live the same way where we live our lives, simply functioning by the lowercase w wisdom As infants in the faith, where Paul is challenging this young Corinthian church that they should be living by a different standard, that we have the spirit of God that wants that is that functions as a counselor and a guide to speak to us the very things that God wants to say to us, that Jesus says he will remind you of all truth. That truth may be hidden. Without the spirit of God there to translate and be a cipher to reveal the very thing and the purpose that God has for whatever the circumstances in your life. This is what Paul is speaking of. He continues on. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. 
Beginning in verse in chapter three, verse one, he says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. You were still you are still worldly. For since there is a jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? This is a criticism from Paul. To this church that he's planted in Corinth. Are you not simply functioning as mere men? There's an invitation in this to the church. There's an opportunity because without this frustration that Paul's walking through, we wouldn't have the clarity of what he what is stirring within him. The truth that God is speaking through him, that there is a life different than the life that you have been living, that I have planned and intended for you. As Jesus says, I came and gave my life and that as I go to the father, he is going to send you a counselor that will be with you and will come and live within you. And he will be a counselor and he will guide and he will he will speak truth. He will reveal to you my plans and my purposes. Do we find ourselves living attuned with the spirit, being able to decipher everyday situations? Or are you like like me and, you know, so many times where I get distracted and and dissuaded and I'm just kind of living, listening to my own little capitalist spirit and thinking that my own little lowercase I mean, my own little lowercase spirit and and thinking that my own little, you know, W is enough because now I'm convinced that this is okay. The reality is, is that God has so much more for you and I. You see, I believe that every Christian is like a pen in the hand of God and that he wants to write a story with your life that glorifies him and that is magnificent to hear. And what kind of story is it to, to read about where there's no conflict, where there's no trial, where there's nothing that the character has to overcome, but that, that, that pushes through and there's a, there's a formation of the character within that person in the story that this circumstance and this trial sharpened and, and, and honed them into becoming the person that they could have been. But they never would be without this challenge. They never would be without this difficult circumstance to have to press through. You see, God wants to write a story with your life that the world wants to read. But so many Christians, we're caught up in living life through the filter of our little lowercase w that we look at a situation and we immediately call bad what God may be calling good. Or we call something good that God may be calling bad. Do you know it might be a bad thing for you to win the lottery? It might be a bad thing to have money that would be a curse over your life and to be a curse over you and your family. And you think, well, gosh, I've got great intentions for that. Well, who knows whether that's a good thing for you or not? Who knows whether or not you can trust your good intentions to actually be a good thing for your family? Maybe it would be good to win the lottery, but not necessarily. I can tell you this. If you're not considering what God would have to say about whether or not it would be good for you to win the lottery. If you're not presenting that gift of the lottery before him and saying, what are your plans and purposes? Then I can tell you it would probably function more like a curse than a blessing. And that's the kinds of things where we get stuck on our little lowercase W's. And God has something so much more. It may be a blessing that nobody in here has won the lottery. 
He may be protecting you and guiding you to a trial that writes an amazing story that you wouldn't change anything for. So praise God. We don't have any lottery winners in here. Or if you do, you ought to tithe first and foremost. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you to have some wisdom. Right? So, but what about your everyday circumstances? You know, when I, I, I was... This morning when I came in and I was kind of looking over my notes and praying over this message, I, I, I kind of I, I just kind of realized, well, you know, I need a good illustration of this. And I, I opened my eyes and I looked on my table and saw something there. And and I remembered before, you know, when I, I grew up in the church, but I, I know that I didn't yet have the spirit of God living in me. There was a time in my senior year of college where there was a transformation that happened in my life. And I believe that's where. The spirit of God was awakened within me in a way that I had not known before. And suddenly I described it to a, a, an uncle of mine who was a pastor at the time. And I said, you know, it's like I've been living my life in black and white. And suddenly everything just got in technicolor. Like I didn't understand this was possible. Like I'm, I'm seeing things as I've never seen them before. Right. And I remember hearing stories like the one I'm about to tell you um, before that happened in my life. and thinking, eh, that's kind of weird. That's kind of strange. Does that kind of stuff really happen? I've never really had anything like that happen. But, it, you know, fascinating story to me. I was I found, I, in, in the year 2000, I, I took on the job of directing a campus ministry in the University of Central Florida in Orlando. And the, the spring of 2001, um, I led a group to Guatemala on a mission trip. And so we take these, these students down to Guatemala. And our first day in Guatemala, we arrive one afternoon, drive out to this remote village outside of Guatemala City and uh, and are just kind of interacting with some people in the community. And I noticed this this Anglo girl there and uh, that I I thought looked familiar, but I didn't know who she was. And um, the next morning I uh, I woke up and I was I had breakfast and I went back in my room to have a quiet time. And this girl that I'm, I'm referring to, her name was Laura. And and while I'm having my quiet time, I remember specifically, I don't have a good memory, but I remember this one. I was reading Oswald Chambers, my utmost first highest, and I couldn't get through it. About halfway through this devotional, I just heard I had this crazy thought in my head that you need to go ask that girl to intern for you in the campus ministry. And I thought, that's a crazy thought. I don't even know who that person is. Right. Other than she must be a missionary because she's a white girl that come down to Guatemala and I try to, you know, get my ADD mind back around this, this devotional. And I just kind of hear that same little thought, that voice in my head saying, you need to go ask this girl. And then, then I stopped myself. I said, okay, if that's God's voice, and at this point, I'm still discerning, learning how to hear God's voice to this day. But if that's God's voice, then I'd rather be a fool and, and obey it and go make a fool out of myself than... To not obey it if it's him speaking. And so I had to kind of swallow the lump in my throat and go out and act like a fool before this this girl named Laura. And I sat down with her. I said, this may sound really crazy to you. It's a little crazy to me. But as I was praying and doing my devotional this morning, I just felt like I was supposed to invite you to come intern at this campus ministry. I know, you you know. She, we started to talk and she had committed to being in Guatemala for a year. And I said, at the end of your year, I just encourage you to pray about coming in and serving as an intern. She said, OK. And I, I felt like, OK, I'm off the hook. You know, I, I'm a, she, she probably thinks I'm a crazy person right now. So I'm not expecting a phone call. And we go on about our week. Well, about six months goes by 
And, uh, and this girl, her name was Laura Clark, called me and she said, OK, I, I prayed about it and I'm about to, you know, I'm moving toward what's going to be next after I finish my year in Guatemala. And I feel like I want to come intern in this Wesley Foundation, this campus ministry. And she ended up doing so. And while coming to serve, the, one of the seniors that year, his name was Carl Messina. And Carl and came, on, came on staff the following year, and Laura stayed for a second year. And, and this morning we dedicated Mirabella Grace. And so now you kind of know Paul Harvey the rest of the story. <laughs> but here's the reality. What if the Spirit of God wasn't revealing God's purposes and plans? What if he didn't stir? This story is not about me. It's about God speaking and God orchestrating and God writing stories and God, God leading and guiding his people with his spirit to be about his purposes. I don't know if you're like me, but I could probably tell more stories of maybe those moments that God was speaking that I missed than the stories that I felt like I was faithful in. But I can tell you this. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. And life in abundance. And unless we follow in this direction that Paul is challenging and condemning this this Corinthian church where they are still being infants, where they're still being simple men and just living by their own standards and living with their own wisdom, then they're going to completely miss out on the maturity that God has in store for them as they allow the Spirit of God to be a voice and a governance over their life. Did you know that God has purposes for your life today? He may have a divine appointment, I'm sure, for somebody in this room to run into somebody or to get a phone call for somebody or need to make a phone call to somebody or run into somebody at the grocery store that in some way has a kingdom impact. I had no idea what going to Laura that morning and saying, I feel like an idiot and this may sound really strange, but I want to be obedient to this and just ask you to pray about it. And look at look at the difference for Carl. For heaven's sakes, I don't know how well it worked out for Laura, but man, God must love Carl like crazy because what a blessing, right? What a blessing to be able to just sit there in prayer this morning and just as I'm asking God, okay, maybe there'd be a good tangible story to tell and open my eyes and there's this envelope with Mirabella Grace's name on it that I'm supposed to give them with the dedication. How cool is that? Coincidences? I don't think so. Friends, God has amazing stories to tell in your life. Are you sold out enough? Are you Christian enough to say, I want to live with the Spirit of God governing my life. And I want to step into the abundance of the life that He came to give me. I want the Spirit to be a counselor and a guide and reveal the purposes of God in my life. I want to move beyond this place of immaturity where I'm just being a mortal man or a mortal woman. And I want to function as a spiritual man or a spiritual woman with the Spirit of God leading and guiding me. Friends, the way we go about this is this term surrender. And we invite the Holy Spirit to come and be the king over our life. So I'm just going to ask you this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Where are you in your Christian walk? Maybe 
This story, like what I just told about the Messina, sounds a little crazy and a little out there and a little farce. And, you know, does that kind of stuff really happen? And I would just say that where you don't have an evidence of that working of the Spirit of God in your life, where you where the stories aren't coming to mind of how God is, has stirred you and led you to His purposes, then I just encourage you to, to think, maybe there's something more to this life and the circumstances of this life than the numbers on the screen. Maybe there's actually a bigger thing beyond me going to the grocery store today that God wants me to be a part of. Maybe there's something bigger in this phone conversation I'm having with this person. And so while talking, I'm asking and inviting the Holy Spirit. What, what do you think? What do you want to say? How do you want to use me? What do you want to show me about your purposes? So I don't know where you are, whether or not you, you may not, or you may wonder whether or not you've been filled with the Spirit of God. If you're, if you're in that boat, then we've got people that are going to come and be a team of people to pray. And, and so I encourage you to come see one of them and ask them. The Lord says just ask. Knock. Seek. You'll be given. You'll find. You'll receive. If you do so with your heart. So we just invite you to come and invite the Holy Spirit to become real and alive in your life. Because that's where He wants to live inside of you. Secondly, if, if you've been a Christian and, man, these are stories from the past, but I can't remember the last time I had one of these stories, then I want to invite you to just come kneel at the altar and invite the Holy Spirit to be awakened and renewed within you with Him sitting behind the wheel of your life. And watch and see what He wants to do with you as you lay your life again before Him, inviting Him to reveal and to decide, to, to determine what these greater purposes that God has for you are. And trust and watch and be faithful to have the courage to follow Him as He shows you. Let's pray. Father, thank You. I thank You for, uh, for opportunities like Jaden. In relationships, Lord, she's not a, uh, a thing. She's a person that you love. And Lord, you've called uh, some of your family members to see a bigger purpose that, that you have in their life. And they open themselves up to foster care. And the stories are being written and being told and will pass on to generations. I thank you for that divine appointment specifically for Jaden at this crossroads in her life to intersect the Hambricks. People filled with your spirit that are about your purposes. And we get to all sit as a, as a congregation and hear the story that you tell. But Lord, I ask for each person here, wherever their heart is with you, I ask that you move it to a different and new place. A place closer to you. A place closer to your wisdom. A heart that cries out and says, Lord, I come to you and I ask for wisdom. Because that's what you teach us to do in James 1. If you do not have wisdom, ask for it and the Lord gives. But ask with a believing heart or else you'll find yourself like a man who is double-minded and not having any faith. So, Lord, we give up the double-minded thinking of our lives. We want to get away from living so confident in the lowercase letters. But, Lord, being growing in maturity and being confident that we're not just men and women. You paid an incredible price that we might receive this gift of your spirit that puts a seal upon our heart for eternity that we can cry out to you as a father. That we are your sons and daughters. 
And Lord, we don't take this lightly that it could just be a passing thing and some words we find in Scripture, but that it's actually the living breath that we live by and we discover the stories and the things that you want to do with each and every one of us. Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for every Christian on the planet, and the enemy has been stealing, killing, and destroying those purposes from being fulfilled. And so right now, Jesus, I pray that your word would not return to you void, but that it would return with with blooms and blossoms and fruit from this congregation because something happened in January of 2016 and somebody said, I want the spirit of God to govern my life and I want to know the great plans and purposes of the kingdom. I want to function in the wisdom of God and I want to live my life to serve those others. So Jesus, won't you come and stir your spirit to do a work among us? Apart from that, everything else is just worthless. This has been a waste of hot air. This has been a waste of time. But thank you, Lord, that you do not waste. Thank you that you are faithful. And thank you it is your heart and your desire and your passion to love and therefore move in our lives. Now lead us to humble ourselves before you and seek out the maturity that you have in store for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have the offering baskets up here this morning. If you're new, you may not be aware of that. We also have communion. We invite you to come take. Jason's going to close us in a prayer in a little bit, but I'm going to invite you now just to take a few moments and lay your heart before God and ask Him to reveal to you where your heart has been and where He wants to take your heart in surrender.